Hello and welcome to the Halashe Anthology Podcast. I'm Shay Michael, your host, and I'm about to talk to David Peisner, author and journalist with stories in the New York Times, the Rolling Stones Magazine, and Playboy. I'm interviewing him today on his latest memoir, A Hard Kick in the Nuts, which details the life of jackasses Steve-O. I've been a huge fan of the man Steve-O, and may or may not have been in a jackass-themed group myself called Who Gives a Shit?, uh, so today, talking to David about his times with Steve-O, how he completed not one, but two memoirs on this great man, is pretty exciting. So I hope you are excited so you can stay tuned to hear how the hilarious title came to be and to listen to what David Peisner had to go through to write about one of the infamous Jackass members. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoy it. So, okay, I guess first is you've written two books about Steve-O. Uh, one, which is like the latest, which was just recently released called A Hard Kick in the Nuts. Uh, great title. And uh, like, how how did you start collaborating with Steve-O to write his memoir? Because that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it was sort of, uh, it kind of grew out of uh, journalism stuff. Uh, I mean, I had... So maybe this has got to be about 2009, let's say, thereabouts, 2008, 2009. Um, I went out to go spend a few days with him um, to write a story for a magazine um, uh, about him. I mean, I was interested in him at the time because he was, I mean, freshly sober. I mean, really, like, I can't remember exactly how... But it was months that he had sort of sobriety at that point. Um, But he was, but you know, like you know, I'd always been a jackass fan and and things like that. And I'd actually, to be honest, I had met him many years before that. Um, Like when I was right, I was writing something about Jackass, the first Jackass movie, for another magazine. So maybe that's that's around two thousand. But honestly, he was so messed up at like on drugs to the point that I I'm fairly certain he had no memory of ever meeting me back then. Um, also, I, but, but, um, and he actually has a very good memory despite all the drugs, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd, but I went back out there and, and met with him in, in, uh, you know, California around 2009, um, to write this story. Cause I was interested in, in kind of his experience less so with drugs and more so with celebrity and fame, which, you know, he, it was just clear looking from the outside that while like the drug problem he had was significant, um, it was kind of an outgrowth of this need for attention. Um, And he had this desperate need for attention. And uh, that to me in circa 2008, 2009 seemed like a really interesting thing to talk about because this was, Kind of the, still the relatively early days of social media, where everyone could, you know could be you know a little bit famous, you know, and everyone could kind of, and so it just seemed like he was a little bit of a, a canary in the coal mine, maybe for something like that. So that's why I went out to write that story, and it turned out I spent I don't know three or four days with him out there, and you know just kind of followed him around, and he went to court, and he was living in a halfway house at the time, and. He was just, he was, he was a very humble guy and, and he and I were about the same age. We, you know, we, we, we kind of, you know, hit it off. I don't know. I mean, we, 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 there was definitely a connection and he's a guy who likes to, you know, he's very introspective. He likes to talk. So we just talked and talked for days. And then I wrote that story, but before I wrote the story, he actually had called me back, um, uh, and said, look, I'm interested in writing a book. Do you think you would want to write it with me. And uh, at that point, I had never written a book. I'd, but I had, you know, I'd been writing magazine stories for, for a while and um, seemed like, okay, yeah, that, that's not something I've done. This sounds interesting enough. And, um, and we did. And I mean, you know, so we wrote that first book, which I think came out in 2010 or 2011. Um, and, uh you know, and then since then, you know, we sort of kept in vague contact over, the, you know, like we, I w- we would check in with each other, you know, every once in a while, I think once he was coming through town and, you know, we would, but we weren't, you know, it wasn't like we were in touch every day, but then he got back in touch 
I don't know where it must've been actually, again, this must've been right before the pandemic started because I remember going out to see him and uh, he was, he was touring and I went, I flew out to, to spend a couple of days with him and he, cause he wanted to do another book and I, you know, and it was like, okay, well let's sit down and talk and see if there's really another book in this. And there was, you know, and I think uh, that, that sort of brings us mostly up to date. And uh, what are like the differences between the two books? Because in 2010, 11, you know, that was a totally different point in his career, right? And so yeah. now it's, yeah. So what do you, what it was, the, yeah, what were the differences? Yeah, I mean, the first book is very much, I think, you know, a uh, recovery memoir. You know, it's about his kind of, I mean, it's obviously, there's a million other things it's about Jackass. It's about like how, you know, kind of, but it's kind of follows that rise and fall and, you know, and, uh, uh, and, and the real descent into drug addiction and, and drinking and the need for attention. And, you know, it's, it's really, I mean, it's kind of a classic memoir style, I guess. And then when it came around to do the second one, I mean, to me, it was pretty clear that you can't just write another memoir about like, it's only like, uh, yeah. And I remember Ricky and I sort of joking about it and like, cause it's clear, like that's sort of like what was dry, you know, was driving. It was like, well, I've done all this other like really interesting stuff in the last 10 years since we wrote the first book. And I was like, I just think it's going to be hard to sell the idea. And I don't even know if I was the first one to bring it up or if it was like the publisher or the, um, you know, literary agent was like, yeah, you know, you might need to sort of figure out a different way to package this. And so like we, we, we sort of like fell on the idea of making it a bit of a tongue in cheek, you know, self-help book. I mean, cause of course, like who would go to Steve-O for advice on like, you know, how to, but, but, the, but the weird thing is, is that, that, you know, as we sort of picked through it and, you know, a lot of it is still very much a memoir. It's still very much telling stories from his life, but it's trying to like, look at, you know, what, what he's learned from it. Um, sometimes that, sometimes that's really just like very much just to, like making a joke of the self-help idea. But there is, I think like useful advice in there. I think there's like a lot of useful perspective. I mean, like I said, he's a very introspective guy. Um, and he, you know, he's got a lot of self-awareness, um, which I think, you know, and, and he, you know, he's a, he, he's a, despite like the, the public persona, which also has changed a little bit in the last 10 years, but, but despite the public persona, he's, you know, he's, he's a, he's a smart guy. Um, and, uh, so it's, um, you know, I, hopefully people will get something out of it. Cool. I mean, uh, is there any sort of lessons do you think in this recent book, the hard kick in the nuts, which again, I love that title. Like, <laughs> so That's, it was, he came up with it. Ah, okay. All right. I was going to ask, like, was it part of the team effort or like, no, I mean, you know, like I'm never very good with titles. Uh, and I do remember with the, with the first book, we kind of like batted around a hundred different titles before we finally landed on professional lady, which I still think is just like, eh, like as a title, I mean, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's attention grabbing, right? It's like, fine. It, it got my attention. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I didn't have better ones, but, um, the, but this one, that was like the first thing that he brought up as a title and it just seemed perfect. Um, and I was, you know, like there, and so yeah, you can't, like it you just, can't say it, it without laughing. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was perfect. But, um, so with like, uh, you know, all this experience, celebrity, uh, fandom, um, and obviously sobriety and going through all these stunts and stuff, what sort of life advice does he give in this book? Like what sort of self-help? advice does he have? You know, I mean, like, I think a lot of it is about like sort of understanding who you are, like, uh, what's going to make you happy. Um, I mean, it's not, you know, uh, I'm trying to think because, Oh yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it, kind of like identifying like the things that are going to, uh, you know, find, how do you find 
you know, somebody to spend the, spend the rest of your life with? How do you okay. find a, you know, a, a like a, a career, a job, a passion that, uh, you know, that you want to do? How do you keep, I mean, like there's, mm. there's like stuff that's like both kind of silly and kind of real, which is like, okay, how do you keep that's yourself cool. in reasonably good physical shape? Which is both funny because you're talking to a guy who like hurls himself off high buildings like fairly regularly. But at the same <laughs> time, like for a guy who's, you know, almost 50, he's looking pretty decent. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, there's stuff about, you know, there's stuff about eating and he's had like, like he's been addicted to everything. He's been addicted to food. Mm. He's been addicted to booze. He's been, been addicted to all sorts of things. But, you know, I think when you kind of go to those extremes, you do come back with a, with, with a sense of perspective. Um, so, yeah. So like, you know, keeping your, keeping yourself in, in good shape. I mean, like, how do you figure out how to exercise when you hate going to the gym? You know, that's a, oh, yeah. fair, that, that's a fairly <laughs> common uh, thing that most people, uh, you know, not, not ever, but lots of people struggle with. So, I mean, oh, yeah. a lot of it is practical advice and a lot of it is kind of making a joke of practical advice. Cool. And I've seen on Amazon, like there's quite a few, uh, there were quite a few pre-orders, like a lot of people had uh, ordered the book and stuff. And um, so I think it's like doing fairly well. Yeah. Um, so I guess the other, another question to sort of like pivot off Steve-O a little bit is, I guess, like, is there any part of you that's in any of these memoirs? Uh, I mean, I've never, I've never written a memoir for myself yeah, or anybody yeah. else. So I imagine some part of you has to be in there, right? Sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the very least. So, I mean, I've done, okay, so I've done these two with Steve and I've actually done two others that my name is not on. Um, and actually, well, sorry, I should say, let me rephrase that. I've done one other, my name is not on and it hasn't actually even come out yet. It comes out pretty soon and I'm working on another one that my name won't be on, but I do have some experience. Like, like there is a process to doing these. And so if, if, at, if, if at the very least, the only thing is based, like, you know, the, it always starts out with conversations, right? So I'm sitting down with somebody and I'm saying, you know, I'm sort of asking them the things that I would be curious about to read in their, you know, in their book. Um, and so the very fact that I'm the one who's sort of shaping that, I suppose, puts a little bit of me in it. Then of course, like in the writing of it, you know, like there's a lot of back and forth of like, how does this sound? Does it sound, you know, and you, you're trying to capture somebody else's voice, but inevitably, like, you know, if I'm the one at the keyboard, like writing a draft of it, some of me is going to be in that. Um, I think the Steve, this, this new Steve book was really interesting for me in that you know it's of course it's all based on his life but a lot of it is like him and I sort of hashing it out like so what what does this mean like I mean, and when I say him and I, I mean like when we're talking and trying to figure out okay well here's this story and this is you know from Steve's life and but as we're trying to sort of fit it into the idea of like self-help or or like, what are the, even, even, even I suppose in the memoir, you're trying to say like, well, what does this mean? And so that, right. What's the takeaway. And so that comes through in like conversations where, you know, like I'm asking those questions or we're having, you know, the conversation goes left to right. But, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm trying very, very hard not to put my ideas or words in people's mouths, but I'm certainly going to suggest and say like, well, did you feel this? Because that, in my head, I'm thinking, well, that's kind of how I would feel if that happened to me. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's, it's definitely a gray area. I mean, my job is to, in, in those scenarios, is to make, the, make it their book. And, and they should feel like when they write it, you know, when the book comes out, this sounds, this, this came from me, this sounds like me, this, th these are the way, this is the way I think. Um, and I've definitely, I mean, it's funny, like the process is like, there is, there are times where I realize like where, where I'm going back and forth with a person on, on something where like, I'm, I, I kind of realize that, oh wait, I'm kind of arguing for my take on it, not their take. And then, and then I have to sort of say like, okay, that's, that's the, the way I would think about this. 
That's not the way they're thinking about it. And that's why they keep saying, no, I don't like the way this is worded or I don't like, you know, I don't, I don't think this sounds, and you know, so it's just a process. And I, you know, um, you have to, you definitely, from, from the standpoint of the, you know, collaborator, you have to take your ego out of it because it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a weird thing that my name's on these books with Steve anyway. Um, I mean, they're his books. I mean, certainly, obviously I played a big part in them, but, but, um, you know, that's, that's almost like a weird, weird, you know, contract thing is, is that like, you know, my name happens to be on these books, whereas a lot of times, um, I mean, that's not completely unusual. You see it all the time when somebody writes these sort of books, but it's just, it's, you know, like, it's something that sort of worked out, you know, between contract, you know, between lawyers and agents of like, you know, what kind of credit do you get on the, on the book? Um, and, as, and, and, you know, with, with the first Steve book that I did with Steve, um, I had never done a book and it was, it was going to be helpful for me to have my name on it. Um, now it's, it doesn't matter as much, but, you know, with Steve and I have already sort of set up this, you know, collaboration and we did the first book and it did pretty well. And so, you know, it, there was no reason to change anything for the second one. Um, but, but yeah, ultimately these should be their books. It's it's not so much like two two people, two equals collaborating in a book. Like this should be this should be his story. So also like um I guess a little bit more about Stevo. Um you've been working with him for like over 10 years. Uh you know, have you have you done things with him? Like would you guys say that you guys are um like what kind of experiences outside the books? have you had with him? Like, have you gotten into any jackass stuff yourself or? <laughs> well, not real. I mean, so, I mean, the only version of that is that like when I, I think I mentioned that I, before we started working on these books, I went out and did this um, magazine story about the first jackass movie. And at, when I was there on set with them, they definitely were trying, you know, like, I mean, yeah. they, I, they try, I don't know if they were, if it's, if it's hazing ritual or whatever, but you know, like they, they, <laughs> I, like I, there were, there were definitely, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember the things that they did to me when I was there. <laughs> one of them, the, the main one that I remember, there were a few different things of just sort of playing pranks on me. And they put like this U-shaped bicycle lock around my neck. Like the Pontius came up behind me, like grabbed me and they put the bicycle lock on my neck. And this was the day I was supposed to be leaving. I'd been there maybe two or three days or whatever. (laughs) Um, And so, and they, and then they took the key and they threw it in this big lake. And so, you know, the shape of it, you can't, I couldn't get it off. Right. Yeah. So, In my head, I'm thinking like, okay, guys, this is funny, but like, I got to go to the airport and get on a plane. (laughs) Like they're not going to let me through this security with this metal thing around my neck. And, and in the end I had to get the, like the, they, you know, like the, they had, they uh, got oh this gosh. guy with a circle saw to, to cut it off my neck. Um, oh I mean, and, and this and the guy who was there, he was like one of the like sort of uh, guys who works, you know, does a lot of their props and stuff. And, um, he had been sitting around all day, just like drinking beers and I'm, and now he's got like this <laughs> saw right next to my neck. So like, that was my, I guess my, my, my initiation, but, but oh my as, gosh. as far as me and Steve, like, you know, for the first book, I, we spent a bunch of time together in person because okay. a, I didn't a like things like this, like zoom and, and like didn't exist then. Um, yeah, yeah. And, be like I didn't really know how to do one of these books and so it seemed like okay go you know like go spend some time you know and and so I did like I think on two or three separate trips like I would go out to California we would I would spend like a week out there or five days I'm gonna and we and we I was just sort of like we really sat in his apartment for like five days for at least on one of those trips and it was like like we would spend like eight hours a day just talking. Um, so is then, this, you know, your, is this what, your agent telling you, Hey, you need to go like figure no, out who Steve is. Okay. So no, it's just, how did that come about? Like, you mean in terms of like, no, like what to do to write this book? The first one? Well, I mean like, so 
you obviously know you have to get to know Steve-O a little bit right. better so you can write the book. So is this like on you? Like, hey, you email Steve and say, I oh, well, well, so like with with that, you know, so we when when he first when he when he came to me with the idea of like, let's do a book together. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, I then go like we then have to come up with a book proposal uh, and sell it to a publisher. So that was like probably the first trip out there. I went and saw him, which was like, or, yeah, I, well, that must have been. We must have gone. I must have gone out there, and we spent a few days, like, kind of going over the basic idea of like what's going to be in this book, and so we can write up a, a fairly lengthy proposal and try and sell it. So then we do sell it. Somebody gives us a nice offer, and then it's like, okay, well we need the book in, in this case, it was probably actually, it was pretty long on that first book. I want to say it was about 18 months we had to write it, um, which was good because I really didn't know what I was doing. And, um, <laughs> and so I, uh, so at that point I was like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'm going to go, I'll come back out there and we'll spend like a week together. And, um, but no, yeah, okay. there was no, there was no one saying this is the way it's supposed to be done, and I didn't really know anyone who wow. had done it, done it before, and it just seemed like okay, that's that'll make sense, and you know, at the time it did, and that's I, cool. and, and, and yeah, and and certainly like spending that time with him, like probably made that book better because yeah, we would spend like a bunch of time actually working, and then we would go out to dinner or we would like. I, he was starting to do stand up then. I remember going okay. to one of his very, very, very early stand up shows. Um, this was like, uh, and you know, so we would do stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, and so, but and then with the new book, we did it all over Zoom because oh, a wow. it was it was during the pandemic, and b we already had that relationship. Like part of me going mm-hmm. out there is like, all right, well, let's really get to know each other. So you're really comfortable to tell me whatever you feel like telling me, but we already had that relationship. And so we could, we kind of just slid right into it, uh, okay. you know, over zoom. Um, so I haven't actually seen him in person in, in quite a while. Um, okay. Uh, Which I mean, is I'm probably good. Maybe. <laughs> no yeah. Pranks, right? Like- <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, he, 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 he can turn it off for sure now. I mean, I, like when I, I remember the, I guess it was, must've been the last time I saw him, which was still quite a while ago. It was, he was just coming through town on a comedy tour. Oh no, I saw him in person. I take that back. I, and I was just saying, when, when, when we, when I, when we were first starting to talk about the new book and I went out to visit him on tour and I spent like two Mm -hmm. days with them, um, in like Michigan. Um, but anyway, so that, yeah, that was the last time we hung out, but, but it's, it's pretty like business-like. I mean, you know, I mean, I, yeah. I would consider him a friend and I suppose I, th- I think he would consider me a friend, but um, we're not like, you know, hugely in each other's like, lives other yeah. than when we're working on these books, when, at which point I'm like very much in his life. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's how it goes. So I guess like uh, pivoting a little bit off uh, Steve-O again. Uh, so you do write, it seems like you write a lot about stand-up comedy, like just comedy sure. in general. Uh, I guess what has gotten you into that sort of topic, and yeah, well, what, sure. what else have you done? Yeah, I mean, I obviously like I'm I've I've been a you know sort of a big comedy fan um, for a long time, uh, but I think what really got me into it, like writing about mm-hmm. it more, I mean, okay, well, first was, uh, I'd always written about a lot about pop culture and entertainment and stuff like that. And then obviously writing about In Living Color for, um, you know, for, for, for that book, um, that, you know, really sort of put me fairly deep in that world. Just, you know, the whole, all of the research was like interviewing comedians and comedy writers and, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is the homie don't play. Homie that. don't play that. Which you know, yeah. So it's like you know, it's about in living color, but it's also like hopefully about um, black comedy in general, um, particularly during that time period, late '80s, early '90s, mm-hmm. where, where I think like things are really starting to shift in popular culture, and like black culture is becoming the center central focus of uh, of pop culture, which is kind of where it stands now. Um, so yeah. I just thought like you know, In Living Color was a really good way to kind of tell that story. But 
awesome. you know, I think that also got me into thinking a lot more about stories in the world of comedy. Cause really like what I want, what I like to do as a, you know, just as a journalist is just to mm-hmm. find good stories to tell. And, yeah. you know, and so, you know, like I've, I've written a lot about music over the years and, it's fairly well trod ground. I'm not saying there aren't amazing story, music stories out there. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still, you know, looking to tell them. But I find that you ha- often have to look pretty far afield to to find them. Whereas hmm. when I was starting to like really get into writing about comedy, it just seemed like there was a lot of stories that had not been told, at least oh, not wow. not written about in magazines. You know, they, they, a lot of them. I think what made them so good is that there were a lot of stories that had been told amongst comedians. You know, like these are the kind of stories that would be told, you know, sitting in a in a green room or sitting, you know, at a at a bar after a show like these might. And so that kind of stuff really interested me. Um, And so then I wrote about um, this house where where comedians lived in uh, right this house behind the comedy store in L.A. where like a lot of a lot of comedians lived. And um, I wrote about it like a bookstore where where. A, a lot of alt comedy got started in it kind of in the nineties. And I don't know, there was just all these little hidden things and there's a bunch of them. I mean, I have like, I'm not going to give them away cause I want to write about them some, some other time, but, <laughs> but like, yeah. uh, but yeah, like, you know, you start making a list and start thinking about like, Oh, this would be a cool idea. This would be a cool idea. And you know, it's there. I just started finding a lot of them in, in, in the comedy world that hadn't been written about. Oh, cool. Yeah, I remember watching uh, In Living Color. Like, Homie Don't Play That was a character, right? It was uh, one of the clown characters. Yeah, yeah. Or, Homie the Clown. And Homie, yeah, Homie, Homie Don't the Play clown. That was, Homie Don't Play That was like kind of his his little catchphrase. Like slogan. Yeah. Exactly. But they had like, I remember, uh, I remember the show like quite a lot because my brother and I would sort of sneak away. I'm from Missouri. Like, we're like, you know, uh, two little dudes like watching like in living color, like when we're not supposed to be, I guess, kind yeah. of, uh, cause it was pretty wild show. Yeah. And I don't, did it come on at the same time as like Saturday night live? It was like it came, an alternative to, well, it, it kind of was an alternative to, but it, but scheduling wise, it was not on, it was on in prime time. It wasn't on late night, which actually is a, uh, a whole, it's a whole other interesting thing. Cause like, there's a lot of, you know, why did, when people talk about why it only lasted five years, part of yeah. that is because it was in prime time and they had a lot more constraints both around like, you know, what you can say and do because it's prime time and also just ratings. Uh, like the ratings expectations in prime time are a lot, you know, higher than they are late night. So, you know, um, there, there was, I think, grumblings about, oh, we could move this to late night and keep it on forever. And what, what ended up happening is that um, Mad TV, which had a lot of the same creative people in it that, you know, people had started on Creative Loaf, started, started on uh, In Living Color. A lot mm. of them ended up on Mad TV, which did end up running for like 16 seasons or something. In, in uh, oh, yeah. I think that's about right. I, I could be overstating the number of seasons, but it's it ran oh, for gosh. a long time on Fox in, um, in Late Night. You know, I actually never, I never got on to like Mad TV. Uh, I was one of those fans of like In Living Color who was like pretty upset that they canceled it. Sure. Uh, and I actually always wondered like, why did they cancel it? So this uh, kind of solves like a lifelong mystery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a but whole lot of, that. yeah, there was a whole lot of drama and stuff, which is in the book. But, um, but yeah, okay. I mean, it was, it, it, it came down to like, you know executives and and clashing with creative people and the way that you know i i imagine a lot of shows end up going off the air yeah have you ever so have because you've written about steve and you have two other memoirs like are you focusing more so on like comedy memoirs is that like the next projects that you have coming out if you could talk about it one of them is a comedy memoir and the other one is not the other one is is um with a musician um so a musician and an activist. Um, so, um, no, yeah, I mean, with those kind of books, I mean, honestly, like, uh, you know, you're looking for, or I'm look, I look for projects that I'm interested in it. You know, like mm-hmm. this is something that if I'm going to spend 
six months to a year on it, I, it's got to be like, I don't, I mean, there's, you know, it's got to be pretty interesting. Like, I don't want to get yeah. completely bored of it. Um, so I'm looking for things that, that are going to keep my attention. Um, but, you know, I'm, it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the world of entertainment. It doesn't necessarily have to be, um, but, you know, also in the world of entertainment, you know, you, those memoirs tend to make more money. And so if I, oh, you know, yeah. like, you, 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 yeah. I mean, not always, I mean, like a high profile politician or something like that. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's it, it, all that is all based on the meter of fame, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the metric of fame and, you know, famous people tend to be in entertainment or sports or whatever. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's, that's, that's the kind of world you're, you're, you're dealing in. Did you uh, have any like influencers, like influence, sorry, were you ever like influenced by other like memorized to like uh, craft your, craft these books or? Cause I know you said you had like sort of like flew into it and yeah, kind of yeah. what you're doing with the first one. Yeah. I mean, funny, <laughs> strangely enough, I mean, I, I never really, I'm not never, but I, I mean, I read a lot, but I don't read a lot of memoirs and I never have. Okay. Um, I mean, and before <laughs> it's kind of funny before I wrote that Steve-O book, I was like, like, I realized like I hardly ever read memoirs and I was like, <laughs> and so I bought like a whole bunch of them. I was like, I better, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I better figure out like how to do this. And like, I remember one of the ones I read picked up was the Andre Ag Andre Agassi had a, a memoir and, it, and I read it and it was fantastic. It was really oh, wow. like, I could, I don't care much about it. I mean, you know, I'm a casual, you know, fan, I guess, but I, I, yeah. I don't care at all about Andre Agassi. I just picked it up because it was like, I literally, I'm sure I went to the bookstore in a panic and looked for the, you know, memoir <laughs> section and just picked out like three or four that I thought, all right, these, these are sort of related to what I'm doing. And I remember reading it and it was just really well written. And it turned out that he wrote it with this like Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. And I was oh, like, wow. geez, I'm like, if this is the bar, like I got to step on oh, my yeah. game. Like, I, I don't know. And then I picked up, I shouldn't say this, but I don't really care. Uh, I picked up Vin, Vince Neal's memoir, Vince Neal from okay. Mike Crow. And yeah. you know, thought, that was like the second one that I was looking at. And I, and I kind of started leafing through and I was like, okay, I can do this. Like this is not, <laughs> this is not like, this is not like if I, can fall, if I can fall somewhere in between these two, I'll be fine. And so, but I, but, awesome. yeah, but yeah, I don't really tend to read, I, I mean, certainly like celebrity memoirs, like, uh, yeah, like I, I, it wouldn't be something that I would normally read. Um, mm. But, you know, like may, I'm trying to think, like even since I've been doing them, if I've been reading any more of them, but not, I, I can't really think of any that I have. I'm sure there's one or two that, was, that, that looked interesting or something, but um but yeah, I don't read a lot of them. I mean, that's a sign of a you know good journalist, to be honest, because you know you want to do something, uh, you do your research, you figure it out, see how everybody else does it, good or bad, you know, and then right. like uh, kind of like craft your own like ideas from that. Uh, I mean, I know I kind of uh, did the same thing with being like an international news writer because I was like, all right, I don't know how to do this stuff, so I just like read a whole bunch of yeah. like news articles to figure it out before I got the job. So yeah, yeah I mean, you got, you got it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like it, that's how I did. That's how I learned how to like write as a journalist. I mean, hmm. you know, you just sort of are trying to like copy the form of other people whose stuff you liked. And eventually, you know, maybe you create, you know, maybe, maybe you have a bit of a style of your own after doing that from a, you know, a bunch of different uh, places and, I mean, but I, yeah. I, 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 you know, I mean, I think I, to some extent, like you're, I, I still do it even now where like unconsciously where I'm like, okay, I, I kind of know what, what I want this story to sound like. And I mm. couldn't tell you like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking specifically about this writer or this story that I read, but like, how yeah. does all that, how do those ideas get in your head in the first place just by reading? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, again, I think that's very impressive because a lot of these places that you've been published in are notoriously difficult to get published in. And, you know, to be, and I imagine that you've been published in these places like quite a number of times. So like, do you, do you develop relationships with editors? 
Um, are they like, are you always like just cold pitching? Like, uh, I don't know, take us, I guess, a little bit on that. Yeah, I mean, it's both of those. I mean, yes, like eventually, you know, if you, the more you work for some, uh, uh, an editor or, I mean, sometimes it's, it is like personally an editor and, you know, like mm -hmm. I'll have a really good relationship with one editor at one publication, but if that editor leaves that publication, I don't know anyone yeah. else there. And so <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's amazing like how much impact that as a freelancer that can have on your like income and, and, and your workload. Like, I mean, I've had editors who were like just giving me constant supplies of work who leave that job, the job they're in and they don't even go to another, they, like they changed careers and they're oh, wow. changing, you know, or like, you know, yeah. Like, especially, I mean, you know, like I've had editors leave to become like podcasters. And so it's okay. like, you know, like, which is, you know, it's not, it's not a, you know, it's a fairly cool, common, but... right. It's, it's a fairly common move, but like if somebody leaves to go become a podcaster, I, they're, they're, I mean, this, is, this sounds cold, but it's like, they're of no use to me anymore. Um, <laughs> and like, uh, and now sometimes an editor will leave one publication. They'll go to another publication that, that maybe I didn't write for before. And now I've gotten in there. So it works oh, both yeah. ways, but, um, you know, I still do like a, when I'm looking to try and place a story someplace, I definitely am cold calling people or cold emailing them. And, um, okay. You know, it's, uh, it, you know, it's a little bit, I guess it's a little bit easier now. Cause I'll, I can say like, okay, if I'm, mm -hmm. if I'm pitching some magazine that I've never written for, I can say, okay, well, I'm a, I'm a fairly regular contributor to the, the New York Times and Rolling Stone and whoever else, which, you know, like, I, I assume, like, separates me from, from, from just some schmo. But yeah, <laughs> it, it kind of does. I don't know. I'm assuming it does. Maybe. Um, I, I also think if some schmo has a great pitch and sounds like they can write, then they could get it. Yeah. You know, they, maybe they can get their foot in the door, too. Because, I mean, I, I certainly started out as that schmo. Um, I didn't oh, have yeah. any, I didn't have any, uh, I mean, I, and I started out in a kind of a really different era. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. I mean, I was started yeah. out in like the mid to late, kind of the mid nineties. There was no, it, like email existed, but I, I, people weren't really using it. I mean, I would, oh, yeah. I would, I would send packets of, of my clips of my, you know, examples of my work. I'd stick them in a large manila envelope. I'd, I'd address them to somebody I'd send them, then I would call that editor to follow up right. to say, did you get my packet of clips? Did you get a chance to read them over? Because, you know, there wasn't, I couldn't like send, send, send links to like, here, if you want to see that I can write here, just click on these th three links of, of stories and you'll be able to tell that I'm not a total, you know, fraud. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, 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 but back then it was like, you know, it was hard. And, and, you know, but oh I don't gosh. even know that the level of, um, uh, you know, of rejection is necessarily any better now than it was. Like, it's still <laughs> mostly rejection. It's still like, I even, even to, I mean, sure, there's less rejection, I suppose, with editors that I know. But I mean, if I'm pitching them stories, like they're looking at, does this story fit what I want to do? And sometimes, yeah. it, and lots of, most of the time, it just doesn't, um, you know, what, for whatever yeah. reason. And so, you know, like, I, I mean, I, I don't, none of it feels even remotely personal anymore. I don't, I, I expect, okay. I mean, I sort of expect most things to get rejected. Uh, I mean, sometimes I'm surprised when things are rejected where I just feel like I know this editor, I know this publication, this is, this yeah. is like a meatball that right down the, right down the center <laughs> and then they don't want it. I'm, I'm usually, I, I, I am surprised, I guess, but it's still like the, 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 it doesn't hurt. the average is always, the, I mean, like it, it's, I, w I always say that it's about nine rejections for every one yes. Oh um, my gosh. And, See, and that's, that. I mean, that, I, I think that's about, I think that's about right for me anyway. I, I literally, maybe everyone else is out there and, and, and they're, <laughs> they're, they're batting like 500 and every, you know, and, and yeah. you know, you go through streaks where like everyone's saying yes to your stuff, but um, I, it's, I, it is still mostly rejection. Man, that's, I mean, for so you've been doing that for twenty years. Yeah, and I know you said you like you know, twenty five years. Yeah. And I guess like you just have gotten 
okay with like being rejected because I know, right? I mean, that's like, uh, that's part of the game. I, I did I sales. I did sales before. Uh, I started, that was the last job I had before I started freelancing. And I feel like that like numbed me to rejection. Cause yeah, I, was, yeah. I was a terrible salesman and <laughs> it was like all rejection. And I didn't even care when I made a sale for the most part, cause I couldn't care less what I was selling. <laughs> and so it's like, I do think that that kind of like hardened my, you know, toughened me up, uh, to, to rejection. Man, I, so, okay. Have you actually, have you tried to write humor or write, like you're interested in comedy? Have you ever tried writing humor on your own? Not really. I mean, like, I, I mean, I've, there's certainly stories that I've written where, where I hoped like bits of it were funny. Um, mm. and, and certainly like when you're writing books with people who are like, so Steve-O is sort of in the world of comedy and this other comedian is in the world of comedy. So the books should be funny in places anyway. Okay, yeah. Um, so I, that's not the same as writing comedy because or writing humor because I'm, I'm absolutely trying to write it in their voice. So their sense of humor is okay. different from my sense of humor. Whereas like there, there might be times where in just a, a magazine story that I, I like, I'm trying to like, it's supposed to be funny, but I, but I try to, I don't know. Yeah. I, but, but the short answer is really no. Yeah. Like not like pure humor, man, I guess like getting into uh Steve-O's like sense of humor, that must be like quite a trick, right? <laughs> sure. Sure. And like, you know, I think sometimes that when I was talking before about like, like sometimes I think I'm trying to impose my own sense of humor on them. And it's like, oh, yeah. that's where they're really saying like, no, 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 this doesn't feel like me. I'm like, no, but it's funny. It's funnier than, what <laughs> you know, like, cool. you know, it's not my book. So like, I just kind of yeah. have to have to be able to, to, to take, to step back and, you know, people are paying to hear what they, what they, you know, their points of view, not mine. So. Um, yeah. There's a, uh, there's like a notorious humor magazine. It's called, uh, uh, McSweeney's Internet Tendency. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. And very famous. Um, and they have they have a great system. They like, you know, you send in a, uh, a pitch or you send in your actual like article and they give you and like within a week they tell you yes or no. Um, and most of the time for most people, it's definitely a no. Like they're sure. very, I think the, the rate of acceptance is like somewhere between one to three percent. Yeah. Which is wild right and I, in these places that you're also publishing for the rate of acceptance is sometimes even lower like so i mean right like i guess like you're yeah you're, probably so yeah i don't I, I never i don't really know but it probably is yeah i i've i've looked it up because i was i've been rejected from all these places so <laughs> look, <laughs> like i wanted to know so you know so yeah I've exactly been, like, i've been rejected yeah, i've been rejected from the places that i from places i ended up you know working for quite a bit um, okay. I mean, I, I, I can remember, I can remember like, like trying to get my foot in the door at Rolling Stone. Like, I mean, I've, I've mm. written for them for a long time now. Um, but I can remember just like pitching them on like, let me write this hundred word, like blurb, you know, oh, like, wow. you know, just like stuff like that. Um, I mean, you know, this is probably uh, late nineties, early two thousands or something like that. I don't know what the time, but you know, and it was rejection. It, you know, the thing is actually yeah. <laughs> rejection is not the worst thing that you can get. Being ignored is the worst thing you can get uh, because yeah. like I actually take rejection as like, okay, well at least they read it. At least I know that it hit somebody's, you know, mailbox or, mm. you know, somebody like thought about it for 30 seconds. Um, I will take rejection much happier than like, just, you never hear anything. It's just that, and you're like, did, did anyone read this and not care? Did no one, no one read this? Like that's, yeah. that's much worse to me. Left on red. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the, that is the worst actually. I feel like I've gone through that many times too, as well. I mean, that's the life of like a, a freelance journalist, right? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, how many pitches do you think you're making like per week, I guess? Like, is it, well, it's different now. Amount? Like it's it, like, like I was saying, because I'm doing these books, um, I can be a lot pickier and, and, okay. um, and so like right now you like, I can essentially make a living if, if I like without doing any freelancing, right? Like without doing any oh, okay. like magazine stuff, 
just on like the book stuff. However, mm-hmm. those, I mean, this is just like really inside baseball stuff, but like the, the, like, although you get a lot, you get, I'm getting more money for that stuff. Like the mm-hmm. payment is not predictable. The payment's never predictable. Uh, any of this stuff. But like, sometimes yes. I think, okay, so I should be getting this big check in September and then September comes and goes and it doesn't come. And then October comes and goes and it doesn't come. And you're like, oh, cause other people are working, you know, the, and you inquire oh and it's gosh. like, oh, they're still, they're still working out their contracts and blah, blah, blah. So when you have stuff like that, so then sometimes I'll, I'll have to like fill in the gaps with like, okay, I gotta, I gotta go get some, some stories just to, just to keep the lights on. But, um, yeah, yeah. but for the most part, like if I, if, it, if there's a time where I'm not, um, where I'm not working on a book, um, yeah. and if I don't have that, like I, tr- like ideally, I really only want to be working on one story at a time. And I, cause most of the mm. stories I work on are like fairly long and involved. So that's, that doesn't always happen that way. Um, in fact, it's more often doesn't happen that way. It more often mm. happens that I've got like two or three stories going on and then I finish them and then I have nothing to do for three weeks. Um, <laughs> which, you know, is great for like two days. Like the first yeah. two days, I'm like, ah, oh, I finished all my work. I'm just going to chill <laughs> out. And by day, like the middle of day three, I'm in a blind panic that I'm never going to work again. Yeah. Um, but um, you've done this for 25 years. Yeah, right, right. And you know, like you, <laughs> you know that, like, okay, it'll it'll be fine. But uh, you know, like, uh, but so I don't know. Like, I because I because I pitch a lot like longer stories. I don't think I. There were times, let's say. I'm trying to think maybe early 2000s, right? Late 90s, mm-hmm. early 2000s, where I was pitching stuff all the time. Like, like you know, I don't know. Uh, I couldn't even count. Like, because a lot of wow. the stuff I was writing was like, you know, uh, 300 words or 500 words or, you know, oh, yeah. the stuff that you're going to churn out. I mean, and I was just doing, uh, I was churning out a lot of stuff back then for not much money. And so okay. now, hopefully, you know, I'm doing longer things for more money um so i don't have to pitch as much stuff but basically it'll the way it'll work is that if i finish something or maybe if i'm getting to the end of uh, of a story and i've worked on it for two or three months then i'll start thinking about what's next and i'll start thinking if i've got ideas i'll start pitching them out um and you know sometimes it sometimes it is like four four or five weeks of like that nothing 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 and i'm still you know like usually there's some sort of projects going on in the background like uh you know, I've got my own ideas for another book. And so if I've got time, like I'll start working on that stuff. Or if I've got time, there have been like various podcast projects that none of none of which have come to fruition that I, yeah. I've been looking at doing. But, you know, so there's always stuff. Um, yeah, that's but, what's cool. That's the like the cool part about being a journalist is that, you know, there's there's so many stories to tell. You know, there's like yeah. an endless supply. So you can always like find something. Right. Right. And then, you know, like, and the idea, I mean, I love, I mean, if I'm being honest, like the writing part is always the hardest part of, uh, of the process. Mm. Like I like scouting around for stories. If I'm trying to think of like find story ideas, like what am I doing? I'm just like reading about stuff or, or watching stuff that I think is interesting. I mean, that's yeah. not, that's not a terrible way to, to make a living, you know, like, yeah. so I'm just reading interesting stories. I'm thinking about ideas. I'm, you know, like that stuff is really that, I, I would do that anyway, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. So, so uh, you were just saying like earlier that you kind of, uh, you like the last like big trip that you went to was Uganda. Uh, I mean, I would imagine for most people traveling to Uganda or anywhere else to write a story would be kind of the top, like, you know, highlight of their career. And you've done this like multiple times. Like, how did you get to a point to where you can actually like travel around the world and tell stories? Well, I mean, I'm still working on it in terms of being able to do it all the time. <laughs> and because that is really the thing that I love to do the most is like when I'm going someplace to, to tell a story that I really want to tell. Mm. Um, like, I'll give you an example, like the Uganda. I mean, it's just selling those stories from my standpoint. I think that there are. Uh, freelancers and there are like journalists who are in a different sort of echelon than me who probably have a much easier time doing that. But like for me, selling those stories is difficult because I mean, it's, it's, it's just a hard sell to an editor. Like I want to go to a place that most people don't care about 
and write this story that is probably that, you know, this story about people that they, no one's ever heard of. And oh, yeah. I want to make them care about it because I think it's important. And, mm. you know, like, it's a bad bet for an editor. Like it's, it's a bad, it's, it's, it's like, I shouldn't say this because I want, but it's like, a, it's a tough investment. So like, yeah. I'll give you the, the Uganda thing is a perfect example of like, okay. how. okay. So I had the idea for that story, which I was going to Uganda and I wanted to write about this guy. He was a singer, is a singer, um, kind of, um, very, very popular singer, especially in Uganda, but also all over Africa, this guy named Bobby Wine. And he was, oh, yeah. he was and he was uh, running, he, he was in parliament and he, and he was going to run against the guy who has been the dictator there for, for uh, over 30 years. And yeah. um, so, you know, I saw this, I don't, you know, I probably read a little blurb about it on CNN or, or, or something, you know, New York times. And it's just like, like I was like, oh, I could see how I can tell this story. Cause that's really for me, like I'm not going someplace to write the same story that everyone else has already written or that, yeah. you know, is already being covered. So I'm trying to like figure out how am I going to like, how is this story something that I can tell? And I just mm -hmm. kind of saw something here that I, that I, I thought, and I was like, oh, this is a story Rolling Stone should do. I was like, Rolling Stone has got, you know, sort of one foot in politics and one foot in music. And this and this is really a, a you know a story that brings politics and music together in a much different way than say writing about like Chris Martin from Coldplay like you know doing yeah. a benefit benefit show. I mean nothing wrong with that, but like yeah, I'm just yeah. saying it's like it's it's a little bit it's 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 a, it's a different thing. Like this is kind of life and death. You know you mm -hmm. running you know you're you're putting your life on the line running against a dictator. So I must have seen this some probably in 2018. Like, or some, you know, and I pitched it to Rolling Stone and there was kind of like some interest, um, but like, eh, I don't know, like, we'll see, we'll talk about it. We've got a meeting, like, and like, this kind of like went along like this of like, I'm not sure for, I'm telling you, it must've been a year of like, oh of like, and it wasn't like a year of like every week, there would be like months that yeah. would go by and it was just kind of on the back burner for me too, because I was working on other stuff, but like, I'm pretty sure that it was almost a year between when I first pitched it and when I finally got a yes. And it was oh like, gosh. okay, I finally got this yes. All right, so I go. And it's and it's expensive for them, you know? Like, even though I'm going by myself, yeah. I have no, you know, I, I, you know, it's just me. Um, no entourage. Like, no, right, like, there's no, there's no producer. Like, it's just me. Yeah. But it's still, you know, like, it's a, like, I don't know how much the plane ticket was, but you can, you can look it up on kayak. It was, it, was ex it was expensive. And then there's like, I was there for probably 10 days. And so, you know, there's the hotel and there's the transportation and um, it's a lot of investment and they do, uh, what do we do for photos for that? Oh, and we, yeah, we they hired a local photographer. So, you know, there's something to pay there. Okay. You know, it's, it's an investment. And um, wow. so I did, I went there, I did all this. It was like a bit of a, 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 a you know, it was a, it was a it was a swing for me because like hmm. when any anytime you're just showing up in these countries and hoping that things go right, is like uh, like I don't really know what I'm doing. Like I don't have like yeah. a, uh, you know I'm just You've like never been there. Right, I've never know. been there. Yeah. Um, and, and in this case, because I was writing about a, a a very specific guy, this guy Bobby Wine, like he had to show up. Like I've done other stories. <laughs> like when I went to when I went to Tunisia. If one or two people didn't show up for interviews, whatever, I could roll with it. Uh, you know, yeah. like in, I went to Cuba, like, it, it, like there was, it was fine. If this guy doesn't show up, <laughs> like I'm screwed. Like there's like, the, and, and, and it was like kind of very much up in the air. Well, it's, it, it was sort of nailed down. I'm just talking to a guy. The guy who's setting it up is like his like assistant. Um, okay. and, and, you know, we're just, uh, talking over whatsapp or something and oh, yeah. he's like yeah i think bobby could meet with you these days and and it's all a little too, more casual than i want it to be i'm like well what time <laughs> where are we gonna meet because i want that stuff before i get on the plane but i didn't have it oh my god and i think the day i can't remember if it was the day before i left or the day i got there where he was like yeah he can't do it 
Oh and I'm like, gosh. I'm like, no, and I'm like, no, he's, I think it must've been the day I got there. And he was like, he can't do it. <laughs> I'm like, he's got to do it. He's like, well, he's out of the country. I'm like, and I was at that oh point, I'm like, I'm like, I can't leave this country without ha- like getting this. Cause like, I don't have a story. And so I was oh, yeah. like, and so, so I'm like thinking about it. And, and so we finally worked it out that it was good. He could do it like the last two or three days I was there. I could spend oh, those my days. God. And so, but even, but that made the whole week before that very nerve wracking. Cause it's like, yeah. is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And it did happen and it went fine. And, and honestly, it was like a great trip. It was so fascinating. I talked to all these really interesting people and I came back and I was really happy with the story I wrote and, oh, cool. you know, the, and the magazine was really happy. And then the story came out the week that COVID hit. And, oh, not, and no one read it. It was like, <laughs> like it was, it was, it was the week that COVID hit, and everyone was just like, COVID, 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 COVID. What's yeah, going exactly. on? No one was paying attention at all, and it got completely buried. And oh, and so man. like, it was like all of that work and the investment on their part and the trust on their part, and then it didn't pay. You know, like it, it, it paid off in a way in that I felt like it was a really good story, and I'm really proud of it. But I, yeah. like very few people read it and uh that was like it. and so it's like well, fresh, you know, it's funny yeah i'm gonna read it i'm gonna share it like actually one of my former colleagues was just like uh i think there was a i at deutsche Welle, there was a global media forum and i believe bobby wine was there with like my former colleagues so like uh, i'll pass along the your article to them so that they can you know, yeah, obviously yeah. they're probably not worried about the metrics now, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know, at this point, you know, the st- I mean, I, I, I mean, the story right was written in tw- the end of twenty nineteen, early twenty twenty. So it's like, uh, it's you know, things have happened since then. But um, yeah, you know, but you know, it's, uh, that's just it's kind of like that's just the way it works. Like sometimes, you know, like that is both mm. the like that's how much work can go into it, and and why it takes that much work to go into it because you know, you're, you're at the whims of things that, that you can't even predict. Oh yeah. So I guess uh, I'm going to like leave with a couple few, like a couple questions, I guess, like top of my head is um, I mean, so the story that you're telling me about trying to get a story with Bobby wine, I feel like is super interesting. I don't know how much of a, like a market it has, or anything like that. But I feel like journalists all over the world have the same, you know, similar stories of like all this work that they put into like trying to get these stories, like, you know, leaving your country, going to another country and then, you know, not happening or it barely, it barely happening and stuff. Do you ever plan to like, um, or maybe you already have some stuff out there. Do you of like kind of writing about that? Cause I feel like that's very interesting. Uh, I don't, um, I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think like I sort of have, uh, I don't know if it's an old school idea about journalism or a, hmm. um, it's probably just an antiquated idea about journalism, which is just <laughs> that like, like, I don't really think that like my, like my story, is, I think it's interesting in the way that like, I can tell you a story about it. And like, okay. it's, it's like kind of a, it's kind of an interesting anecdote. If I'm, or if we're sitting around having a couple of beers or if I'm like, you know, mm. meeting some friends for dinner, like that's a funny story. I don't know if it's like interesting enough, like on a global scale or, or like a, a scale of like, I mean, I don't know if I had, if, if somebody was interested in like me rolling out, like all, like all of that stuff in, in, you know, I wouldn't say no, but I, I feel like there are, I feel like there are more interesting stories to tell than like the stories of like people standing me up. (laughs) Uh, Um, like, well, when you put it like that, you know, (laughs) I mean, it's, I mean, I I don't know. Like I kind of dine out on a lot of those kinds of stories about like, you know, like weird celebrity like interactions like because i've had a lot of them um and like you know yeah like stuff that went wrong i mean i don't know (laughs) i you know i think it's interesting to people like like yourself because you're kind of in that world like 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 like, i don't know maybe it's interesting um but yeah i've never really thought about it like that maybe when i you know in 
30 years, I'll have enough of those to, to think, okay, maybe this is, this is interesting. Um, yeah, at least put out some feelers or something. Right. But yeah. like, you know, like I think there are other stories, uh, you know, that I'd rather write before then. Um, okay. you know, that would, that'll be my deathbed memoir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I guess like the other question I wanted to ask is, um, I guess where, like, where are you going to head? Like, what are you up to now? Like, what are you going to like, what do you envision for the next few years? And if you have any like advice for like any aspiring journalist on uh like, you know, you've had a very successful career again. Um, if you have any advice for people who want to do something similar or the same thing. Don't do it. Don't do (laughs) it. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I feel like my advice would be, would be unhelpful. Uh, I just, because I like, I am really like, uh, I think I did, I, whatever I've achieved, I've done like the wrong way. Like I don't, when I say the wrong way, I just mean like I've, whether it's my own like, uh, ego or, Hmm. um, just a lack of uh, social context. Like I haven't gotten much advice from other people. Like I haven't, not, not because they haven't, not because people are like, were unwilling to give it, but because I didn't ask and I didn't have people to ask. And so I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, like a lot of the things that I've done, I think I've maybe not, I think I could have gotten to this point in my career a lot quicker if I had actually asked the right people for advice, but I didn't, um, yeah. which I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, I guess the if I if I had one piece of like, um, like actual useful advice, it's like so stupid and it's so. But it's just like turn your shit in on time. Like, okay. like it's, yeah, it sounds so obvious, but yeah. like I think being reliable. Um, is is more rare than it should be among journalists. Mm. Um, and, you know, like, yeah, just like turn the thing in when you said you were going to turn it in. Don't have like 800 reasons why you're not turning it in. Um, and just be somebody somebody can count on. Like that's, that's what, whenever that's... I get an assignment, I'm like, I want, I want to be easy. I want to make, I want to make the yeah. editor's life easy because, if I, if I make their life easy, then they're going to want to work with me again. Now, you know, like if I, if I was like the greatest journalist in the world, then I could be difficult. But I, but yeah. I feel like, you know, like, like I, I, I just want it, the only, I think I feel like I have control over the thing, that thing of being like reliable, of being mm-hmm. easy to work with and it, you know, so even if my stuff ends up being like, you know, slightly, just slightly above par, like they yeah. can think, they, they can think like, oh, well, you know, but he, he, he was, he, he was a nice guy. I liked working with him. Like I'll give him, yeah. I'll give him more work. Um, I mean, hopefully it's better than that, but like, <laughs> you know, like some, you know, it's all that stuff's in the eye of the beholder anyway. So like yeah. if, if maybe somebody's not going to think my stuff is great. But at least I, you know, I can be like not a dick. Yeah, definitely. Well, David, like uh, I think it's been really cool chatting with you. Uh, you know, this is like a little bit inside baseball, of course, for like journalists and stuff like that. Sure. But you know, you've done like pretty again incredible stuff. I think most people, freelance journalists, journalists would love to uh, say that they've written memoirs on you know some people they they look up to, some people they find interesting, celebrities. And like travel the world writing stories, you know, that is like kind of the, the uh, echelon, you know, that's the cream of the crop. That's what everybody is like really in this world is trying to do and you've done it and you're going to continue to do it. So, uh, yeah, we look out, I'm going to, you know, look out for your stuff and, uh, do you have like, you, you have a website as well too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, just www.djpeisner, P-E-I-S-N-E-R, uh, dot com. Cool. Uh, 
And yeah, and there there you will find all of the things that I'm not too embarrassed about to post. <laughs> yeah, right. You, you don't post everything, just like the good stuff, right? <laughs> but, I, mean, I mean, hopefully these days it's, you know, like I, I, I've, been, I've become picky enough that uh, there's not too much stuff that comes out that I'm, I'm really, you know, hiding. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there will be some in the future. <laughs> cool. And again, uh, you wrote two books on Steve-O. The last one is, uh, called the hard kick in the nuts. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to, I haven't, I, usually like I read all the books before I interview someone. I haven't, I haven't gotten around to that one, but I, well, uh, came I out, so you're, you're excused. Yeah. It just, it's just very recent. Right. So, <laughs> Uh, I, actually, I, I, I don't have a copy myself, so that's, oh, that's how, really, well, they're, they're sending, they, I just got an, uh, an email the other day saying, Oh, do you have copies? And I was like, no, I mean, it just came out. <laughs> last, it just came out last week. Um, okay. so they're, they're sending me copies, but, uh, I mean, you know, I have a copy on my computer, but, uh, I don't have yeah. a, a finished copy. Yeah. You gotta have a hard cover, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, not the not the uh, paperback. So gotta gotta have it on my shelf to mix in with all of other people's books and see if anyone notices. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I'm uh, also I'm interested in the homie. Don't play that. Loved uh, uh, loved that show and like I've, I thought it was incredible. Uh, it's sad, obviously that it, I mean it's been gone for like 20, 30 years or whatever. But right, um, obviously developed a lot of stars and was instrumental for like the black culture and stuff. So. Um, David, I think you've, again, you've done incredible stuff, man. I really enjoyed chatting with you and, uh, I hope you have had a good time and I hope yeah, you yeah. It's, it's been great. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much. No problem, man. Have a good okay. one. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's Holiday episode. I hope you enjoyed your audio getaway and can travel with me next week as we learn more about the personal journeys of these noteworthy people. Today's episode is brought to you by my hard-earned full-time job with the NFL. They are not yet a sponsor. And yes, and a special thanks goes out to Kali Zhao for producing, to Bail Bonds for their awesome intro and outro music, and to you, the listeners, for listening. Many, many thanks and stay tuned for the next episode.